Hey, it's me, Sam. Um, I was trying out a new thing there where I sounded a little bit more uh, energetic when I introduced myself. <laughs> uh, this is my podcast, and I am energetic because it's almost the end of the week, and I've got a full day of work ahead, and I'm thankful. I'm glad to work. I actually had another interview yesterday for a um, PRN position with a hospice agency as a, to be a hospice social worker. And um, she was like, "Why do you want to? Why do you want another job?" And I said, "Because I really want to work. I want to." I said, "I take my kids where they need to be for the morning, and then I've got about seven hours." of time that I need to fill from the beginning to the end and I want to work. So when I haven't had patience and I've, my days have ended early, I mean, real talk, sometimes I just go home and walk, like take a nap. But, you know, a lot of times I end up going home and I'll mow grass or I'll clean or I'll do laundry or whatever and I'll keep myself busy because I just feel like so lazy if I don't. So I'm excited about today. I've got a full day of work full day of patience it's a good it's a good thing so um I just wanted to say thanks to the people who are listening to this podcast which I'm fairly certain is still mostly my family maybe a few other uh folks that my sister-in-law has shared it with I did find out that I have a uh, a fan in my sister-in-law's grandmother so shout out to her you know how you meet somebody and like you walk away and you're actually confused at how that person could be so nice and why and and especially why they're so nice to you because you're not you're not like their family you're not somebody that they've known forever you're not that's her that's my sister-in-law's grandma I've left her and I've been like I don't like what it's you know what it is and it, it what you have to know if you're not a believer is that what it comes down to is Jesus this woman has handmade like with her hands in a sewing machine my daughter's dresses matching dresses I mean it's just it's just amazing she's an incredible person I'd like to actually have her I was thinking of this when my mom uh told me that she I guess I don't know how she found it out it's like fourth person information but said something about my sister-in-law's grandma like listening to this and I was like really what that's okay Mm -hmm. great but um what I thought was man I know so little about her story but I know that she's like a super basically I'm gonna say this about you uh ma'am in the most respectful way she's a real badass and uh I wouldn't mind having her on here to do a, a little interview someday. But this time around, this this uh, episode, we're going to keep with the theme of um, our Foster Care Awareness Month here in May. And I'm going to um, jump into some information about the licensing process. I know that like, if you're not considering foster care, um, that this can be kind of boring or maybe it's not any information that you care to listen to. But... Um, I'm going to also on this episode maybe just give some ideas on ways that you can, you know, if you're not, like I said, mentioned before, if you're not at the point of of wanting or able to take children into your home on ways that you can actually participate 
in um, in the world of foster care with and never have a kid in your house like never even get licensed even so um, anyway as far as people that are listening my mom moms are so moms and dads are just hilarious but my mom was like you have a blog and I said <laughs> or she said Luke said you have a blog or Ashley said something my brother and sister-in-law and I said no it's not a blog it's a podcast she said what's a podcast <laughs> I was like how do I explain this to her I was like it's like a it's like a, a blog but it's a speaking blog without any backspace she said what does that even mean and so then I got to call her because this is all over text and I hate texting anyway because it always is confusing. So I call her and I said, this is, I just talk, I just run my mouth, but there's no way to edit it. So I can't, you know, if you're typing a blog, you don't like what you write, you backspace and then you, you fix it. I said, in this one, I just run my mouth and if I make a mistake or I say something stupid, I just, uh, it's just there. And then it's just there for the world to hear me be an idiot. So no filter and no editing. So then she said, I don't get it. I don't. And then she even told me, I hung up the phone with you and I didn't know half the words you, I didn't understand half the words you said. So then I'm over there the other day. This is classic Deb, my mom, just classic. So I'm like, let me let her, let me let her listen to a few minutes of it because then maybe she'll have a better understanding. I'm not, I don't care if she wants to listen to all of it or not. She, she barely can function like just answering her phone and, you know, keeping the battery charged. So I don't want to stress her out, but, um, so I turn it on, and the first thing she says is, stop saying I'm so much. I was like, yes, thank you. Thank you for that honest feedback. So I'm going to work on that. Whether she ever listens to it or not, I didn't realize I was doing that as much, and I know it's annoying. So I'm going to work on it. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, I'm just, see, this is what happens, though, when you don't have a when you're when you're irresponsible and you're not prepared and you don't write down or actually plan what you're going to talk about sometimes you have to say um as a little bit of a space filler so you can gather your thoughts oh here's something that I wanted to update everybody on every single person in my family myself my four children we all sound like we have tuberculosis we're all coughing and hacking and sneezing and and, and literally, my six-year-old had snot coming out of her nose, like, down to her chin at one point this morning. However, we're good. Like, we're all good. We're all at our designated locations today. The kids are in school. The babies are at the babysitter. I'm going to work. So, I don't know how long this hack and congestion and everything else is going to linger on. I think it may be partly my fault because uh I'm trying to figure out the dynamics of the baby's my one-year-old's room so last night it was a little bit cooler and I opened her window thinking I don't want to cool it off to the point where she's cold with the air conditioner so I uh open up her window to cool it off a little bit and I think she may I'm catching like she may have some allergy stuff going on because she just seems kind of just kind of congested in the mornings and stuff but she's in a great she was in a great mood baby was crying for a bottle which I can't remember the last time he's done that it's been days that he's even cared about eating so that was a good sign 
Hopefully he, he ate that up good. He actually slept all night. I mean, I'm just feeling like a million bucks. I got a full night's sleep last night, kind of. I mean, he woke up once, but uh, that's better than it's been the past couple nights. And yeah, so we're good to go. Sure, almost a week later, I'm back from the dead. <laughs> that's how it goes with kids, man. Kids don't get sick. Like I was sick on Sunday and I still have a little bit of cough and congestion stuff and like my body just kicks into gear and then I take the antibiotics I'm not taking them anymore because they make my stomach upset I don't like that and I feel better so I'm non-compliant with medications I'm aware of that but uh yeah I mean I took the antibiotics on Monday or on Sunday and a little bit on Monday and then you know really on Monday I was fine like one day basically one day that I was out of commission kids though oh my gosh their bodies can't, they can't recover. They'll, they'll be sick for a week. So, yeah, if you see us in public, you might be concerned that you're about to get the croup or whooping cough or something. But, no, we're all good. We're, we're back to, we're back to good. So, um, alright. So, when it comes to becoming a foster parent, what do you want to do? What do you need to do? Why would you want to do it? Um, basically, what you have to know is that for the most part, now I'm talking from experience, obviously I live in Ohio, and I'm talking from experience in Ohio, and what you have to know right off the bat is that each state is different, even some counties are different, so your first step, I would think, regardless of what state you're in, is to try to track down your um, county children's services agency, whether it's called, I know like I, when I used to live in Atlanta, it was called... Uh, DFACS, Department of Family and Children's Services, which just doesn't make any sense because there's, I guess there is an A in there, a Children and Family Services, but anyway, it, yeah, it's still, the acronym is confusing, but, um, so each state, each county is going to call it something different, but if you just do like a Google search of child welfare and the name of your county you know it's likely to pull something up and then what I would say is from there is just to call that county office and to tell them that you're interested in becoming a foster parent and they're going to direct you to the person that you need to talk to now at that point you can um, find out you know what their process is what their requirements are I've read some crazy stuff I've read stuff about some states to where they um if they license through the county, then they will not allow for those foster parents to adopt children. So just be sure to get all of the information because, like I said, each state, each county is different. Like if you're going into it and you definitely want to adopt, just make sure that that's even an option. Because like I said, some some states, some counties may not allow for foster parents to adopt children. They may have a whole separate pool of strictly adoptive parents. Um, that they actually move children to when they get to the point of being, um, you know, eligible for adoption. So just make sure you know everything as far as that goes. And then in addition to that, if you're thinking, um, like for myself, I'm licensed with a private agency outside of the county. So, you know, I would say that those types of agencies are nationwide. So if that's something you wanted to look into, then you can even just ask your county, you know, are there private agencies that I could talk to or... Let's, you know, like my brother says, it's worth a Google. <laughs> you know, Google knows everything. Just check Google and, and you can type in something to the effects of, 
uh, private foster care agency with the name of your county, and you're likely to pull up the names. They're going to be called things like, like here locally, uh, agape choices. Uh, you know things that that are sound confusing, but are you know they're foster care agencies. And then I would just say call those. And so you're basically you're going to spend some time just gathering information and making a decision about. Where do you want your license to be? Well, you know, who do you want to have your license with? Because that's going to be, you know, like on my situation, like I, I mentioned in the previous video, I'm licensed with a private agency. And in this particular county, that agency primarily does placements of teenagers, large sibling groups, kids with uh, maybe more significant physical or behavioral issues. So if that's not something you're really... Um, think that you're willing to take on or that you're you know maybe you're like no 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 I want to I want a peach fuzzy brand new baby that's healthy from the hospital then um probably not that's probably not going to be where you want to go so obviously if you're a believer right along with getting all that information would just be to pray you know pray that God directs you to the right um the right agency and and where where he wants you to be and, and where you can be used for you know the most for his his uh his children his kingdom so um so then once you kind of make that decision you know as far as where you want to be and and um and where you want to put your license what you have to know at that point is that I know this is hard for people to hear because it's kids, but if you can just kind of separate yourself from that aspect of it, is it just to know that it's also a business and it's also about money um, and it's about running a business. So the good news is, is that once you make a decision about where you want to put your license, that entity, whichever one it is, the county or a private agency, they're going to do a lot of handholding because they want to get you licensed as quickly as possible and they want to fill your beds as quickly as possible because that means revenue that means money um if they can keep kids within the county if they can keep kids if they can get kids you know into their private agency into their beds in their private agency they want to do that so what in my situation you know i called my um the private agency that i'm licensed with and then they um had a their whole stance was that you can start the trainings at any point. You don't necessarily have to start with number one and then go through. And I don't know. I don't even remember how many there are. It's different for every time around. But um, I just happened to catch them when it was number one. So the very first training that I went to was an orientation. They typically on my with my agency they ran for about three hours. So I want to say they ran from like six to nine in the evenings, which is not convenient, especially not if you have kids. I'm getting a drink. Hold on. I took my kids a lot of times. I mean, they were old enough to where, like, I could pick up Happy Meals for them on the way or something. And then, yeah, we eat at McDonald's. Don't act like you don't either. You know Jim Gaffigan? He's a comedian. He's the funniest person I've ever seen in line. Like, well, really, the only comedian I've ever seen. But he's hilarious. And he talks about this, about how, like, people shame each other for going to McDonald's. But in reality, everybody eats at McDonald's lie to me tell me you don't you're a liar <laughs> whether you get your coffee there or you get your big macs there 
you know it's delicious and you know you eat there so yeah my kids eat mcdonald's hate on a haters gonna hate i don't care that's what they do we don't eat there a lot but anyway but you know i could pick up happy meals and they could sit out in the hallway with their tablets and their in their devices and they could stare at a screen for three hours <laughs> twice a week and it was you know super fine parenting so um you know they brought other stuff coloring books and stuff so it wasn't all just screen time but anyway I did that some and then like I, I did say you know sometimes <coughs> yeah still got that still got that hacking golf going on um sometimes my parents would keep them they'd stay with my parents but um so in that first meeting or that first training and I imagine that this is kind of similar to how the county does it I like I said I'm, I'm not I'm not licensed with the county so I can't say for sure and even if I could it's going to be different in every county every state so I don't even it's really irrelevant but um what I'd imagine is across the board, when you go for your first meeting or when you first talk to someone from that agency or from the county, they're going to provide you with like a folder, a packet, a big stack of shit that you don't want to deal with, but you have to. And, and in somewhere in that folder, packet, whatever it is, is going to be a checklist. <coughs> and, uh... I don't know why I chose to draw a job where all I do is drive all day because it's literally one of my least favorite things to do in the entire world. I feel bad. That's one of the reasons why, well, also because my car is too small to do any type of real long drives, but that's one of the reasons why I dread and avoid vacations with my kids because I hate driving so much. But yeah, that's all. I, and I think that maybe that's why I drive all day. I hate it. People are maniacs. Um, anyway, I, uh, yeah, so you have a checklist and that checklist is going to have everything that you need to do to be able to complete your license. So it's going to have all of the classes that you need to take. It's going to have, um, so in addition to the classes, what I should have done if I was prepared and actually invested in, in providing you accurate, accurate information is I should have tracked down my checklist so I could have given you an idea on what all's on it. I didn't do that, but I'm going to wing it. I'm going to take it off the top of my head. I got a pretty good handle. So like things that I had to do, I had to go through my house and the requirements is that there's a smoke detector on every floor of your home. So, which I'm sorry, if, if I wouldn't, wasn't a degenerate I would have already had that done in my house because my house is a hundred years old and I should definitely needed that because it could go up and smoke at any point so that was a good thing for me the fact that I was kind of forced into that to put those smoke detectors up but so I put a smoke detector up in my kitchen I put one up in my basement so yeah that's the other thing that was crazy is that my house is four stories so it's kind of an ordeal um, put one in my basement put one in my kitchen Put, well, I actually ended up putting one in every bedroom because I have massive paranoia about my kids always shut their doors at night and I'm like what I don't know how that works what if they have a fire in their bedroom and then the smoke detectors in the hallway what happens so I put them in their bedrooms so they all have one in their bedrooms and then um, there's one up in the attic I also had to get a um, 
how they call them, fire extinguisher. That's the, that's the word. And in the kitchen. And then I think that was, there was like, so there's like a, a, a safety audit checklist. And you essentially, you have to have someone from the local fire department come out to your house and, um, and do a walkthrough and check all of those things and then sign off on it. That was one of the, one of the things I had done. Thankfully, I live in this super small little podunk town. And it was just a matter of calling, you know, down there. And he actually came once before and kind of did a walkthrough and told me the things that I needed to do. And then came back and I had done them and he signed it. And it was that was it. So that, that was nice. You also have to make arrangements to kind of have all of your medication. If you have any prescription medications, um, you have to have, or any medications at all, you have to have those put up in a um, lockbox. And then um, I had to, um, if you have a gun or any type of firearms or ammo or anything, you have to store your, um, your, your ammunition and your uh, firearm separate from each other locked, which, you know, I've, I've actually had a family at my church that, um, that was a deal breaker. They were not willing to do that. I have a conceal and carry because, well, we know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real hardcore bitch. So, um, I have a conceal and carry license and I don't conceal or carry, even though I have the license, I don't have a handgun or anything, but, um, I do have a 22 and I just keep it in my gun safe and then I keep the ammo in like a like a little key safe on top of the gun safe. So it's, you know, I use it to like shoot possum. <laughs> How hillbilly crazy. I use my 22 to shoot possum. That's a real story because I have shot a possum in my barn with that gun. Um, and it was terrible. I have a groundhog right now in my front yard that I want to shoot, but I haven't gotten around to doing it yet. But, um, yeah, so it's not like it's, you know, I haven't really been too concerned about needing it for self-defense, but if I did, it's not, I don't know. It's not like I could really access it very quick. So I guess it kind of defeats the purpose of using it for self-defense, but, um, it, it's okay for what I need it for, you know, and, and I was, it's not something that was a deal breaker for me, but I, like I said, I know that there was a family in my church that when they found that out, that you could not carry with foster children, um, like with you, that that was it. Like they weren't willing to pursue it. So, I mean, I'm sure, like I said, it's state to state, county to county laws, things like that. But, um, those are questions. Those are things to take into consideration. Um, so I had to deal with that with the fire department. Um, had to develop, like I had to draw out, like I was a flipping architect, a, uh, uh, escape route, like map of my whole house. I have to have that posted all the time. I also had to have the county out cause I have well water and this is, this is hilarious. They did a, um, I had to have my water tested to make sure it was ingestible. Now keep in mind, my aunt and uncle lived in that house for 20 something years at the point that this happened. I had already lived there for five years, steadily drinking the water right out of the tap, cooking with it, just not, no thought to it at all. This guy comes out and tests the water, and then he uh, sends me the results or calls or whatever, and he's like, yeah, um, no one should ever drink this water ever. 
like, well, I don't know. Maybe we all have stomachs of steel thanks to this water or something because we're all drinking it and I guess we're okay. I don't know. So basically because he said that it was some kind of contaminant to the point there was probably something that was not functioning with the well. My dad's solution, this is what I grew up with. I mean, love is hard and you have to do it. If you have a well, I'm not hating on him because you do have to do it. If you have a well, you have to shock the well, which means you have to pour bleach down the well. Do you know how many bleach showers I took growing up? Do you know how many times I went to school smelling squeaky clean like bleach? My skin would be like burning and red, like a second degree burn. All over. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't get to ever get that bad. But yeah, so that was that's his solution and I need to do it. But I just... My, I have babies. Like, I can't imagine. I mean, obviously, they still they still shower, even though we don't drink the water anymore. They still shower. And I can't imagine, like, giving my baby baby a bath and there being any type of bleach remnants in it. It would just, I, no, that'd be terrible. So, I haven't done it yet. But what we do is, I just, I buy all bottled water. I buy gallons. I buy Dasani because my kids are water snobs and they won't drink anything else. Um... And so we do that, but, um, I have to, I had to have something posted that basically said, don't drink the water out of the tap. We use bottled water. Had to have the emergency numbers posted. Um, and then, so that was like part of a whole safety checklist that I had to have put together too. Um, had to get fingerprinted, had to pay for that to get fingerprinted um my kids had to I had to go through a pretty extensive interview process I mean they want to know a lot they want to know about your or um your marital relationship as far as your sexual relationship your the health of your marriage if you are married they want to know about your childhood about your trauma if you've had any trauma in your past they want to know about your relationships with your parents your siblings um they want to know about your education history your employment history i mean it was like there was probably at minimum five visits that the caseworker made maybe three to five that the caseworker made to where she was exclusively coming to finish up you know the questionnaire portion of the home study so all of this that she's doing is called you know that they're doing as far as those that checklist that I mentioned is called a home study and it's just it's all of these things that you know you have to complete in addition to the um, classes so yeah, that can be intrusive. And I know I've had people that have said, like, I didn't want to do it because of that. I don't want to talk about my past. I don't want to tell people, tell basically a stranger. But what they're doing is, so let's say if you've had a, um, if you've had an incident of, if you've had severe um, physical abuse in your past as a child, you know, that's something that they want to know about and that they want to, you know, maybe just help you to work through because how will you manage, you know, if you have a child placed into your home, who's also been a a victim of of physical abuse. And if, if you've never dealt with that trauma in your own past, then how can you, you know, be available, fully available for a child who's experiencing that trauma right then? So it feels intrusive. It feels nosy. It feels annoying, but the, the, the premise behind it is good. And it's, um, it's to basically to protect the children that are, that'll, you know, maybe in your home. So, um, so there's that. And then you also have to go through, um, I had to go to my doctor, which I hadn't done. 
I ended up actually, and as a result of that, getting discharged from my doctor because they, um, I missed the appointment because I had an emergency with work. And so then they said, you're fired. I hate it when doctors do that crap. Don't they know how hard it is to find a new doctor? I had never, the only thing, the only reason that I had ever gone to that doctor in the first place was for physicals for my work. I had never gone to him for anything. And so I think that made him mad that I wasn't some like chronic user of the doctor. I wasn't generating any money for him. So when I missed one appointment, cause I, I couldn't, I even called, I called the day before and said, look, I got this thing with work. I can't come. I'll have to reschedule. Nope. Goodbye. You're out. So I had to find a new doctor, which that drug out, but you have to like have a TB test. You have to have a physical. And then the, basically the doctor has to sign off and say that you're physically capable of, you know, providing care for children. Which is kind of scary because guess what? When you have your own biological children, do you think that there's a doctor that's signing off and saying that you're physically and mentally capable of parenting? Uh, no. Which obviously that's the reason why foster care exists. So maybe we ought to think about that. I don't know. Free, free will choice. Uh, anyway. Um... So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's an ordeal. Like I said, I, I have known people who, I've heard of stories. I haven't known people. I've heard of stories of people who have, like, known of a child who's in foster care who maybe is a family member or, like, a, um, like, just as a, this is a total example. I've not known of anyone like this, like, but maybe, like, it's a coach. And they've heard of a child that was on their team or something that's in foster care and they want that child to come into their home. And I've heard of situations like that where people have gotten licensed in 30 days, you know, have gone through, have done the class. So some agencies, and I think the county sometimes too, will offer classes to where you can go and basically do like, you can do like a blitz um training to where you maybe you do 10 hours on Saturday, 10 hours on Sunday, and you just kind of knock it out in maybe three or four weekends, um, which is crazy. But I've heard of families that have gotten licensed really super quick. Um, but then, you know, it's, there's no timeline to it. It's really the amount of time that it takes you to get licensed is kind of determined by, um, you know, how much, how much effort you want to put into it. So, that's that. Um, I, uh, like I said, I took quite a while because I wasn't, um, I wasn't super, super anxious to get done any, anytime soon or, or real quick or anything. I just was kind of wanting to get it, you know, get it done when I can get it done. And, um, I know you also, I just thought of something else. You also have to do like a, some financial disclosure paperwork. You have to provide, you know, just a lot of paperwork. Like I had to provide all of the, um, birth certificates and social security cards for my, for myself and my kids, just all of those things that just a lot of verification documents. Um, I had to provide like financial statements and, and check stubs and stuff to show because, and I'll get into this, but even though there is a, um, stipend, there is a reimbursement for children that are in foster care that comes directly to the foster parent, you know, the stance, I, I believe I would think overall is that, um, that in that money is not to be, you know, you should not be dependent on that 
to basically to pay your bills. So what they need to be able to see is that without that reimbursement that you're financially stable and able to, you know, whether that that reimbursement never came, that you could manage taking care of children, you know, additional children or one child or whatever it would be in your home, um, even without, like you should be able to take care of a child today without ever receiving that reimbursement. And then, you know, the reimbursement obviously is a big help, but even if you never received it, they need to be able to see financially that you're able to provide for the child, a child. So that was something, you know, that's, I've, I've seen a lot of people on Facebook post stuff like about, you know, I want to, um, I want to foster, but I'm concerned that, um, I won't be able to cover the cost of daycare. I won't be able to cover the cost of, uh, you know, a leave time if I have to. I won't be able to cover the cost if I have to miss work and they're sick. And so that's something to know is that there are, I know counties, mine does not, which is frustrating, but there are counties that cover the cost of daycare. Um, you know, there's obviously that um, per diem, per day stipend that comes as far as helping out with things like that the kid that the child may need. So just know that, um, you know, there are, um, financially there are things that can help, but like I said, the whole premises would be that, uh, you, you would be able to financially provide for that child before any of those things kicked in. So, um, you know, like both of my babies had WIC, which is a, a federal program to help with formula and thank the good Lord that they do because they're on a special formula for preemies and it's 20 bucks a can. Um, so you're looking at like a little bit over $200 a month just in formula that's covered. And I'm so, so, so thankful that it is, but I think that's about it. I think what I'll do, you know, I'm, I feel like, I feel like, 85% confident that I covered, I mean, maybe 90, 90% confident that I covered pretty well everything that goes through the licensing process. You don't need me, though. You don't need me to, to go over um, go over everything because, like I said, once you get connected, whether it's with a private agency or with the county, they are going to handhold you because they want you to get licensed. They want you to be done. They want you to be on their list. They want to give you, they want to put a child in your home as quickly as possible. So they're going to handhold you. They're going to give you the checklist. They're going to give you the packet. You're going to have a, you know, a, a person, a caseworker assigned to you that you can go to with questions. You're going to have people coming into your home. Um, so it's, it's, I feel like in what my, what I've, the feedback that I've gotten from friends of mine who have gotten licenses is that once you take that first step, it's really not all that difficult to get to the, you know, to get to the point to where you are licensed. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's the, that's the licensing process for foster care. And, um, hopefully, uh, if you have any questions, send me an email or like I say, don't, I mean, do what you want, but I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear, um, if you've had a different experience or if you've had anything that's popped up that's been confusing, um, if you've ever, if, you know, if you were in the process or thought about becoming a foster parent yourself. Um, but yeah, that was my experience. And then, um, like I said, those are the things that I've, that I've heard or that I've, um, you know, when I worked for child welfare that I, that I saw along the way too. So, um, and those are licenses that are good for two years. The only 
you know, there's a little bit of process of renewal. It's definitely not as um, extensive training, some training hours, some paperwork, some some signatures, things like that. But it's not as extensive each two years. But there is a renewal process every two years. So um, that's about it for today. I may uh, put another episode together later on tonight with some uh, more information about helping out foster parents. I said I was going to do it in this one, but we're at 35 minutes. And I wanted to make these ones, these episodes kind of short because I know they drag out. But All right, uh, y'all enjoy your day, Thursday, beautiful day, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. All right, bye.